0: This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini.
1: Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter. Joined as I am each and every week by one of one, the only member of the Glory Kickboxing Hall of Fame, Bazooka Joe Valtellini, coming off of a coaching win this past weekend over at BTC in St. Catharines.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting when you watch all these UFC fights every week. And then you get, I'm a little jealous that I don't get to be live. I don't get to be in the corner. I don't get that excitement. But this weekend, my guy, uh, Ariel Zuniga, was our first time together in a local show here. And uh, he did well. He A uh, little interesting, like, we, you know how every week we talk about, you know, refing and judging. And there was one of the most interesting thing happened. My guy, the first kick of the fight, you know, low blow. It was a loud one, but got a point deducted off of the first kick of the fight. It was a bad low blow, don't get me wrong, but I mean, a point deduction off the first kick, I was like, I don't even, I've never heard of that.
2: He yeah. Did, referee
0: it, did warn us in the background that if it was a damaging, but still, the first strike... You no, can't do that. There was a little, but yeah, we got a point deducted off of the very first strike of the fight. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because so I, I read online that
1: your guy was down 20-17 yeah.
0: uh, heading into the third. Yeah, yeah. So, we got that point deducted and then uh, just... Uh, some uh, psychological coaching i had to get in his mind and get him hyped up and then he got the finish in the third after being down so uh so big so good win for us excitement and uh probably the fight of the night so if you're not gonna win dominant at least get a fight of the night awesome well that's that's good to hear and sarah kaufman of course in the main event get got a win in yeah the first it was round nice well. to see her yeah, it was nice. It's 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 honestly very pleasant to see the whole MMA community together at events like that because you know we're a small community, but uh, you know it's pretty nice and a lot of familiar faces, uh, especially being locked down so long. So it was fun for everyone. It's also nice to see the Ontario scene start to
1: come back to life, which is good. You oh. know, we haven't seen too many events there, and now we've got this other one in Niagara Falls coming up
0: soon as well. Yeah. So it's December 11th or 12th yeah, there. I think it's headlined yeah, by I'll Scott be there Hudson, too,
1: if I'm not mistaken
0: so he... yeah i'll be cornering the the co event guy
1: who's that mike imperato oh yeah mike yeah. yeah you work with Mike. All, you've worked with mike for some time right
0: yeah he's actually coming today we're training at 1 p.m today cool Yeah, he's been uh he's been part of the ontario scene for a long time he's been yeah, maybe fighting for is, a long so time he yeah. wants to get that uh he keeps trying to get the ufc attention i think it's just a few good fights because i will be honest i've I don't think there is a grappler in Canada better than him. I think even at a world level, he can compete with the best grapplers. So, put some bazooka strike in with that, and we got uh, one of the best, I feel. And what's the date of that one? Uh, this I think it's December 12th. Okay. Yeah, right. So Brawl like, by the Falls, I believe. So, that's
1: like the day after the pay-per-view, the UFC pay-per-view? Uh, maybe I'll go to that. I don't know. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Anyhow. Keep, keep in touch. We'll go. Yeah. All right. So, uh, we had a... Uh, Fight night this past weekend. I'm looking at it now, and it's like decision, 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 decision. It's just all decisions yep. except for one finish in the, on the main card. You know what? I had made a post on social media about how, I don't know if you saw this picture that I posted. It was that UFC 267 was like a nice lobster appetizer with some grilled vegetables laid out. UFC 268 was like a perfectly cooked steak. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Holloway versus uh, Yair Rodriguez. Fantastic piece of key lime pie. And then you've got Tate versus Vieira, which is the dinner mint at the end, where you get your bill and they give you a nice dinner mint. You know, you've enjoyed your meal, you you had a good time, and it's just a nice little bonus you can put in your pocket for later or you can enjoy it right there. But, you know, you kind of knew what to expect with this card compared to the previous ones.
0: Yeah, I think um, still that Kiesa brady fight was an important one still. There was some important matchups. But, uh, yeah, the, the sport's about finishes. The sport's about finishes. So, I think what ended up being unfortunate was like the storylines that had to come out wasn't necessarily about performances I heard those uh, a lot of fighters speaking up about the racial thing I was gonna ask you about that I don't even know what's going on about that but uh, it just seems like the storyline there's nothing really about the performances themselves well this is the thing when you book a Misha Tate main event the hope I'm sure
1: promotionally is that she wins that fight and then now you've got a big name that can challenge for the title again but the thing is, Ketlin Vieira is a really good fighter. She's, she's, I didn't know how well her gas tank would hold up for five rounds, but it seemed to hold up no problem. I thought she won every single round of that fight, even though uh, it was a close decision on the cards. 48-47, 48-47, 49-46. I gave her all five rounds. I thought that she was yeah. just landing yeah. the bigger strikes. And that's the thing. Ketlyn like, Vieira is a bigger fighter than Misha Tate. So when she's throwing those punches, they just seem to be having more impact and doing more damage. So, listen, if you want to give me the the first and fourth round or whatever it is, you know, whatever you'd like, that's fine. They were super close rounds. But I just gave a slight edge to Vier. Like, this is the thing that people need to remember is that that judges judge a round. They write down who they think won the round. They hand their card in, and then they don't look at it again because they don't want – people don't want the – Judges, I guess the commission or whatever, don't want the judges to like have the previous round in front of them. Where, like, let's say, Misha Tate has a better round in round two. Oh, well, that was a better round than the last one. Maybe I'll give her this round. Every round yeah. is scored as a unique thing, right? By so, itself,
0: basically. Yeah, so right. you
1: can still have a 50-45 fight
0: that is still a close fight. That's what I think people need exactly. to understand. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. So what was missing from Misha Tate? Does she still have the potential, do you think, to to go where she wants to i mean you got to think the ufc is really pushing behind her the commentators are behind her she's uh she's a favorite right well she fought well i just didn't like the matchup for her
1: and um it seemed like kentlyn Vieira was able to stop her takedowns Tate didn't put on as much volume as i would have liked to see i, I think against someone like kentlyn vera but that said vera was landing big counters right so if you're trying to put on volume and you're getting hit with big counters the volume slows down you turn down the volume so, yeah. I just thought that Ketlin Vieira fought probably the best fight of her career, given the level of competition in this particular fight. She looked really good um, for all five rounds. And, hey, I mean, listen, if Misha wants to fight for the title, she's 35, they need to put her against a Ketlin Vieira or somebody near the top to prove that she's able to do it. And, hey, she fell short, but she still looked okay. And I still think that she can hang with a lot of the division's ranked fighters.
0: Yeah, and I'm just trying to look at the, uh, the rankings now to kind of see where they both stand. I don't know if they've been updated um, yet. Check, check TSN's website. TSN always has the most updated. TSN, yeah, UFC what you're rankings. saying you're always TSN's on it. Yeah. I'm on the UFC one here. But uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see where. Uh, I imagine they probably know, just swapped spots. Like they probably just moved Vieira into. Well, no,
1: actually, Vieira was ranked ahead of Tate. Vieira was ranked, I think, sixth and Tate was seventh or seventh and eighth, something along those lines. Let's see here. We got UFC rankings. We'll pull them up. But uh, I, again, I just thought Vieira looked crisp, and I, I think that she's got a lot of upside. But then you, people started talking about, oh, could she hang with Nunez? Because everybody's looking for the next opponent for Nunez, right? So, Of course. And I yeah. just don't know. I don't think that the answer to that is yes.
0: All right. So yeah, it, it looks like Vieira went up one spot, it seems like.
1: Vieira went up That's to it. number six, and Kunitzkaya uh, went down to seven. Kunitskaya, yeah, I think, one. just had a baby. Or is she, has she fought since she had the baby? I can't remember. But I know that she's she's uh, a new mom. That's so Tiago Santos' wife, yeah. right? Yeah, I think she had the baby. I, think I don't think she's, she's fought I think yet. she fought. More. No, I thought she did. I don't think she's fought since she's had the baby. But either way, so Katelyn Vera now number six. Um, and we'll see where she goes from here. And then the women's flyweight division, Tyler Santos got a win over Joanne Wood, previously Joanne Calderwood. Uh, pretty dominant win. Got uh, knocked her down and scored a... Uh, was that a, It was a submission, so she scored a submission after knocking her down twice and uh, looked really and, good uh, in that first fight. First round, too, right? Yeah, first round, and uh, now she's in the top five, and then you look at the people that are ahead of her, they're all people that Shevchenko's beaten. So she is making a case now to be next in line for a title shot, and I, I like that fight. I, I've been super high on Tyler Santos since she signed on from the Dana White Contender Series.
0: Yeah, she's uh, super tall, if I remember correctly,
1: right? Tall, rangy? Um, I don't think she's super tall. Like She's... I can't remember. I don't think she's that much taller than than a lot of the other flyweights. But uh, she's just got really good sharp striking hits, good leg kicks, hits with a lot of force. It'll be a good matchup for for Shevchenko, I think. I think that, like, if you're looking at it from a, uh, a matchup standpoint, that's a tougher matchup for Shevchenko than she's had previously.
0: Yeah, almost for Shevchenko, you need someone who can kind of stand with her a little bit more in the comfort on the feet, I think. So it takes a, a strong striker and... But then once you think you can stand with Shevchenko, she takes you down and she shows her crazy wrestling abilities. So, yeah, I mean, Santos seems like she'd be the, the one to be a little bit more well-rounded.
1: Yeah, she has one loss on her record, a split decision loss to Mara Romero Barella. I can't remember how close that fight was off the top of my head or how how people thought of that decision. It was her first UFC fight, so maybe in, in her home country. So maybe she got kind of car- uh, taken away from, from it. Uh, you know, I mean, got a little bit of stage fright. Yeah. Uh, for your first big outing in the UFC. But since then has reeled off four in a row against good opponents. Molly McCann, Jillian Robertson, Roxanne Modaferi, Joanne Wood. All on the all either ranked or on the cusp of being ranked in that division. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Get, rack up those wins if you want to get that uh, Shevchenko scrap. Yeah, so I mean if they're not going to do a Shevchenko-Nunez fight next. Which I, I don't think is on the horizon. I think, I think there are enough challengers right now for Nunez that are coming out of the woodwork. Plus you've got the Kayla Harrison factor. I don't know what's going to happen with that. But uh, I think that Santos... Would be the logical next opponent for uh, for Shevchenko. So that fight on this card ended up being a pretty important fight.
0: Yeah, I like it. I'm into it. And Sean Brady. Chiesa, what about that? That was an interesting was gonna, one. Did you watch? Did you watch that one yet? No, that's on my list to watch right after this. Well, it's a little late to so watch, but uh, I'm really excited because the the word from Brady is it's incredible. Yeah, it was you know what It was a great
1: fight. The, the issue that I have with it is, and I noticed this with the judging for this entire event for some reason, is that they didn't they didn't really go by the criteria in terms of damage. Because a lot of these fighters, um, and we'll get to some other ones later, just used kind of control, right? Like, they kind of controlled, and then when the uh, the fighter was on bottom, they were landing damage, or they landed more damage on the feet. But they were giving it to the fighters that had more control. And this was the case for this Brady-Kiesa fight. I thought Brady won the first round, no problem. I thought the second round was close. Okay. Like I thought that Kiesa did enough damage in the second round where you could have given it to him. But every judge gave it to Brady, and then every judge gave Kiesa the third round. But the third round was kind of similar to the second, although Kiesa landed more damage in the third. A lot of that third round was Brady holding Kiesa down and keeping him down, and and the difference was Kiesa was able to get up in the last whatever 30 seconds of the round and land some strikes. But I th- I thought that Kiesa uh, did enough in the second round where you could look at it and say, well, who did the who did the most damage? That's what the criteria is. You can give it to Kiesa, yeah. but that said, I'm not disappointed by, by this decision. I just think it's something you've got to look at. If you go back and watch the second round, and you assess it thinking strictly about damage, who's doing more damage in this round, you can make a case for Kiesa. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. So when you do your live scoring, did you give it to Brady, or did you give it to Kiesa? I, I kind of said that this—I was a little bit vague about it, but I kind of said that the second round it could go to Kiesa. I said it was kind of a toss-up round. So, but you thought Brady— I, I said, And then at the end, I said, they're, they're probably going to give it to Brady. Um, yeah. which they did. Okay. And again, I don't think it's a bad decision by any means. I just think that when you're looking at the scoring criteria and you go back to that second round and you're looking strictly at damage, I think that Kiesa landed just much better strikes in, at the beginning of that round, then got taken down. Brady wasn't doing much with the takedown, just kind of controlling. Um, wasn't even really advancing position much. Landed a couple pitter-patter strikes here and there. But I thought that Kiesa just if you're looking strictly at damage, did more damage in the second round. That's all. Yeah. But, again, no. not a bad decision. I'm not, yeah. This is not the hill I'm willing to die yeah, on. I'm yeah, just no, saying. No.
0: I got it. Yeah. But uh, with Sean Brady now, I mean, where does he stand in the division up in your eyes? I mean, you've got to think now, as a welterweight, the division's pretty stacked at that top. So, yeah. where well, do you put Sean Brady? I mean, he cur- he's currently ranked sixth.
1: Um, and I, I think that that makes sense because Chiesa was ranked, I think, sixth. Uh, oh, sorry. He's ranked eighth. Brady's now ranked eighth. But Kiesa was ranked, I believe, sixth, and now is down to number nine. So when you beat somebody who's higher ranked, they they bump you up the rankings. So now he's ranked uh, yeah. number eight. And then I think a good matchup for him would be like a Neil Magny, uh, Bilal Muhammad. He said the winner of uh, Bilal Muhammad versus Wonder Boy yeah, made sense to him. So that that makes sense to me too. I, like I think Brady versus Wonder Boy or Bilal would be a great fight. And
0: Vicente, my Luque's question is, how is? How does Neil Magny stay at seven? He doesn't seem active. It seems like I never see him Magny's fight anymore. magny very active. And that Magny's really? fighting when was was like his next last week. Fight?
1: His last fight was yeah, recently. But before he that, fought when was Kiesa. His last fight? He fought Kiesa and then he got a win. I think he's fought like three times. It seems this like year. Kiesa's fought like twice since. No, really. I think Kiesa's fought. I think Magny's fought. I can't fought remember. Like... So okay, so twenty twenty one. So he's he's oh. fought twice. He lost to Kiesa in January and then he beat Jeff Neal in May.
0: In May, and okay, now he's May, fighting. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, he was scheduled six months fight.
0: ago since his I last one. I thought he was one.
1: scheduled to fight again. Oh, I think he was calling for a fight with Chemayev. Um, but yes, I, he was definitely yeah. calling for. So I don't think I don't think
0: I thought he was supposed to fight before the end of the year. Okay, twice this year. That's a good, still a decent year. Two times, two. To, I'd say two to three as a pro. I mean, mm. not bad. And he
1: fought three times in 2020. Wins over Li Jing Lang, oh. Anthony Rocco Martin, who just got arrested the other day. I don't know if you saw this in Las Vegas for. Oh. Uh, uh, i got into an issue with uh security guard there. Uh that just came out I think today. And uh, Robbie Lawler, I uh, win over Robbie Lawler as well.
0: So he's won uh, uh four of right. the last five. So it's
1: a good good record.
0: Yeah, uh, sorry Neil. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, no. I I've always said just his body frame alone Neil is one of the toughest to go cuz he's rangy. He's he's awkward style, so yeah. I mean, I just in my mind I haven't seen him fight well, you do the MMA math, and you
1: have Brady who just beat Kiesa, and now Kiesa's ranked two spots behind Magny, who Kiesa beat this year. It's
0: like it's just weird when you think about it that way, right? Like, but once that was a dominant win plus, by Kiesa too. It's crazy. Yeah, that's, once you hit six plus, it's like that's the the big show. Right. Like, I mean, that's when you're main eventing Masvidal, Thompson, Luke, Edwards, Burns, Colby. You know, that's yeah, this is that's, that's the real game that's now. At to Brady. <laughs> now it starts. Now the game plays. Yeah, he looked
1: good. I mean, hey, he looked good against KS. I'm not trying to diminish his performance at all. I'm just again, I'm just looking at the scoring criteria and and uh, and all that. Uh, Adrian Yanez looked great against Davy Grant. um, Although one judge gave Davy Grant a 30-27, and I I don't know what fight they were watching because the first round was such a clear Yanez round that like maybe they got the fighters mixed up. (laughs) Like I just don't know how you can give the first round to Yanez uh, to uh, Grant if you were watching that fight.
0: Second and third rounds. That was one of your big picks, um, for the wasn't it one of your big picks going Giannis, into this week?
1: Nah. Well, I thought Yanis would win, but he, the line was like minus three fifty, so I didn't make that a pick. My only pick that came mm-hmm. through was Pat Sabatini, who beat uh, Tucker Lutz. Sabatini looked great. Yeah. I think this guy's going places in the featherweight division. He's a really good fighter. He's a he's mm-hmm. like a he's like a, a featherweight Sean Brady. He trains with Sean Brady, but he's just very like he's got really advanced grappling, good submissions, decent on the feet. Like I think that that's basically the kind of fighter he is. Like, if you took Sean Brady and made him 145 pounds, that's like Pat Sabatini. Pat Sabatini, yeah. That grinding wrestling. G- yeah, good grinding wrestling, but also very crafty with his submissions. He didn't get one in this fight, but just generally he is, and he's always looking for them. So you mentioned yeah. um, a fighter that said something after their fight. That was Cody Durden, who beat Iori Killing. And I'll go back to what yes, I said about I the Chiesa fight. This. I think you scored that fight for uh, for Iori as well. I-, I gave him rounds two and three, but I digress. He, he was the guy I really was high on, was Iori Killing but um, Iori, okay. didn't fight well. He came out flat for sure. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying that Durden didn't deserve to win that fight. I just personally gave it to our, But but uh, Durden after the fight, yeah, I need to his, hear this, makes his post fight speech. And he says, I wanted to send them back to his, to his country, send them back to where he came from. And he, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Sensitive. Listen, yeah. Yeah. It's, so here's, here's what I've got to say about this. A lot of, here are all the excuses that I heard from people that were trying to justify this. Number have yeah, of
0: couples. Yeah. yeah.
1: Number one is what are you getting so upset about uh, this for? They were just fighting. They just were in a fist fight. And this is what you're, this is what you're getting sensitive about? Well, Iori Killing signed up for a, a, a fight. This is a competition. This is martial arts, right? Iori Killing didn't sign up to have somebody say something racist about or xenophobic or at least xenophobic about him after the fight. That's not what he signed up for. He signed yeah. up to compete against Cody Jordan on that night. So let's throw that out the window. I mean, that's ridiculous to say, oh, they just punched each other, so why are you getting upset about that? We know what we're watching here. These aren't people that are, that yeah. are playing Sport. chess and a guy jumps up and punches the guy. Yeah. We know what we're talking So let's throw that one out the window. The other one is, what if he said, I'm going to send him back to Australia where he came from?
0: Well, yeah, Is that offensive? The guy, that's the one I heard. And the guy's, yeah, and the guy's yeah. from
1: China, so what's the problem? Well, the problem is, when people have made racist remarks towards people in Asia, and you grew up in Scarborough, and I'm sure you saw this, Joe, growing up, People would always say, "Go back to your country." It was a, yeah, a thing time. particularly directed at Asian Hundred percent. So yeah. to to say, yeah. well, he's that's where he came from. We know what the intention was there. The intention was not
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, good-hearted. Like, oh, get back on a plane and head back and go go train some more. No, no, that's not what yeah. it was. So people are trying to justify that as well. And then you go back. You can go on social media and look through Cody Durden's Facebook and Twitter. And this guy said all kinds of wacky stuff over the years that, that certainly could be considered uh, either, either racist or xenophobic. So yeah. why, why are people trying to defend these actions? Let's just call it out for what it is. It was a, yeah, it was a terrible good. thing to yep. say. It ruined his win. And yep. to me, in a sport that's predicated on respect and martial arts, that, there's no place for that because there, there was no beef here. I mean, Durden said that the guy refused to shake his hand at, at weigh-ins. Whatever. That's yeah. not a big deal. And then people say, oh, people People can talk all kinds of trash before the fight, but then somebody says something after the fight, and you get, yeah, because the fight is where it's sorted out. After yeah, the fight, yeah. you're supposed to show respect to your opponent. It was a tough fight. Yeah, it's over. It's over. Yeah. You did well. Congratulations. Pat on the back. Call out your next opponent. Great. But to say something like that, again, I just don't think that there's a place for it. And I also And I also think that in a time where there is a lot of anti-Asian sentiment, Right now. Yeah, especially of, now. Yeah, yeah, Because of people blaming them for whatever, the coronavirus. but same, You know, all kinds of different things that have been uh, having a, a big rise in, in anti-Asian violence, especially in North America. This is the opposite of the message that we want to send. And if I'm the UFC and I just signed a bunch of distribution deals with Asian companies to distribute the UFC in Asia, I'm not happy about this. And if I'm yeah, Disney, yeah. I'm not happy about this.
0: That's because, right. yeah.
1: Listen, I'm, I'm not trying to to, uh, to defend the state here, defend China, the, the country of China, but Iori killing is not a, a government official. It's where he comes from. He's from China. Yeah. So when people are trying to say, oh, well, <laughs> they want to say that neither here nor there about what the government does. He's not part of the government. So if I'm the UFC, I'm not thrilled about this, and I understand why people are, are upset about this. I personally was upset about this and was surprised that so many people were trying to defend these actions.
0: Yeah, and I think it's nice, and I think what the the best part was, and the way I kind of heard about this was just hearing other fighters talk about it, being like, hey, man, that's not cool, or like other fighters stepping up, being like, this isn't acceptable in the sport, so that's amazing. Is Julian Marquez soft? I got this, this, you're being
1: soft. Is Bilal Muhammad soft? Are these fighters soft? Why don't you tell them they're soft?
0: Exactly, yeah. I mean, that's what I appreciated the most out of this. People standing up for each other. I think that's the key, but... I mean, when I fought for glory, we had a code of conduct that we signed that was with penalties and stuff like that. Don't speak politics. Don't speak about religion. Do not speak about other cultures. Like, that's a fine. Maybe there's got to be something in the code of conduct that we need to be a little bit more sensitive to these types of things.
1: Well, it's interesting because I wanted to ask you about this. I spoke to, uh, I've got two guests uh, that are coming up uh, later on in the show, one of whom you're very familiar with. And I'm going to give mm. you a hint as to okay. who he is.
0: Very familiar. He's
1: from the city, and he was a, a glory kickboxing champion.
0: He's from our city? <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, you got Simon Marcus in. Yeah, so Simon Yay. Marcus is coming on the show. He's making yeah, his MMA making debut. Making his MMA debut. Yeah. yeah. Unified MMA That's 42 on, uh, I think it's December awesome. the 17th. It's the day before the last yep, UFC. Yeah, December 17th. Yeah, so he's yeah. making his debut. Um, so I spoke to him, and, and he said that, um, and I didn't ask him about this in particular, but he said that... Um. One one reason I was asking why do you think Glory kickboxing isn't as popular as a sport like the UFC? Like, you always see people complain about cards like this past weekend. Oh, there's all this grappling and he's holding them down. And it's boring. If you don't want to see people hold each other down. You go watch Glory. Like, there's more there are more highlights on a Glory field on a Glory card than almost any other card in the world of martial arts on a, on an eventual basis. Big time. And he said, and I thought this answer was interesting. And I don't know. I, I'm, Eager to bounce it off of you, and I'm sure I'm I'm basically spoiling a part of the interview that you can want you can listen to later on. But basically, part of his answer was, in North America, people crave drama. People want beef, and they want like this is what drives people to the sport. Not not the competition, or or, or the yeah like the thing that is the biggest draw for people that want to come to watch the UFC is like all the the back and forth and the beef and the storylines and the yep. drama. Do you agree with that? Is that that one reason why you think that Glory perhaps hasn't had as much success in North America?
0: I think it's definitely part of the picture. I think part of it being the community and culture itself. Man, you got to think, like, the UFC is way too big and there's not a lot of educated people. Like, people still call MMA UFC. Mm -hmm. like. Do you guys do UFC at the gym? So, I mean, it's such a big name and a big product that people don't really know. Like, I tell people, yeah, I'm a, I'm a kickboxing world champion. And they'll say, oh, so you, you do the ground stuff? I was like, no, that kickboxing. <laughs> like, they still – so that's the UFC stuff. And they'll say, no, kickboxing. So they don't even know, like, what real kickboxing is. They, in North America, they still think kickboxing is above the waist, old school with the big pants on. And, and standing so don't out think eight counts, People really people know. People and the referees. Yeah, people don't know. Yeah, people have no clue. People got no clue what kickboxing is, but I think it's uh it took one like I mean someone like I thought personally like what g s p did was great, and I mean, I think if I was able to stay in the sport a little longer to bring a little bit more positivity to it, I thought would have been a, a good thing for our sport in North America. I think Simon Marcus is right and needed the beef and the tension, and Simon's had some big beef fights, but they were with other European fighters, so it was kind of <laughs> hard to create that tension. Yeah, but when when Simon Marcus had – before he got signed with Glory, he created a little beef fight with Joe Schilling. Mm -hmm. So him and Joe Schilling had a fight with like winner takes the whole pot and like they created this big – so like he's right. It needs kind of two North Americans. We need a a North American Conor McGregor almost to kind of step up and uh, make some noise and get headlines. We need like – Ariel Hawani, the fact that you and t s n is covering some kickboxing now and all we need more media again when I was competing every you, every m m a media would interview me and want to do storylines, and now they just kind of pulled that away, so character development is a big thing too
1: mm-hmm. I thought about you yesterday because so. I was watching Marcus versus Willness and there was a standing eight count in that fight, and I thought about you
0: yeah 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 <laughs> i think uh which which one did you watch they fought twice I watched right? no
1: they watched they fought three times. I, I, I watched times. i watched basically like a uh it was like a 25 minute piece of, about their of all of, of them bites, together yeah, yeah, yeah. with yeah. some clips from all because fir- so it was kind of they
0: went first and then the second and they fought. yeah it was a, they had a little exciting trilogy
1: and then i think there was i think on the commentary it might have been you being like there's not supposed to be standing
0: eight counts <laughs> somebody
1: has yeah, somebody on the yeah commentary yeah yeah. Said it. Pro- yeah i kept have, you that that. did you call that fight did you call marcus and uh, uh i've called almost? all of them yeah okay all three i've of them, called okay. them all
0: yeah. yeah yeah i've called them all I call them all, you call Mr. Some great fights, man. Ooh,
1: I, I'll go back uh-huh. and watch some of these glory fights, and I'm just like, wow. I, you know, it brings back yeah. great memories of watching uh, those cards. Uh, because there used yeah. to be
0: so many of them. There used to be like seven or eight a year. Hopefully it gets back yeah, to that. Yeah, we, we were almost like 10 to 12. Mm-hmm. You know, we were aiming for 12 before covid we were at one point talking about doing a like a road to glory show where i would have been in vegas calling fights for like a road to glory then the big cards like we had some big plans covid messed them up mm-hmm.
1: absolutely so well hopefully they come back so shout out to here are the fighters off the top of my head that uh that, that had something to say about durden after the fight uh jamal hill uh jared yeah. gordon muhammad mukayev bilal muhammad julian marquez casey o'neal uh even Dean Thomas had something to say about it, so shout out to all of them. I mean, listen, they know, yeah. if, if if it was me on an island saying that this isn't appropriate, then whatever, sure, call me out. But when you've got fighters that are in the UFC that they don't like that, because this is what this is what holds the sport back. Like, if you're a fan of the sport, you shouldn't want to see this in your sport because it takes away credibility from it. It makes people that are airing the fights think twice about airing it because they're like, is this like a racist sport? Like, you know, you don't want you don't want. Uh, that to happen as well and it just it stunts the overall growth of the sport that's all I, I don't think that it's good yeah. for the sport to see stuff like that
0: but when you relate this to Conor McGregor with the Khabib stuff and um, Colby Covington with the Brazilians that was pre-stuff but I, I felt like those guys post-fight showed the respect back
1: yes
0: yeah, or yeah no? they respect you, the opponent agree, I mean or...
1: Colby did have that filthy animal thing in Brazil
0: yeah right? where's the difference and people then? were mad Why about that it?
1: Remember, people were mad about yeah. that too. So it's not like but that. It just ended when... up being a good thing for him. no?
0: at the end of the day,
1: well, it wasn't just that. It was a whole bunch of things. That and listen, his his goal is to be as polarizing as possible. And yeah, I don't know almost if that's Durden's goal, but listen, now, right? Durden is not a top fifteen guy, right? Like, if I pull up the flyweight yeah. rankings, is he but still in the top not 15? acceptable? But I mean, still,
0: like, I mean, there's sometimes some crazy positivity that comes out from nonsense like this. Yeah, I mean. I hope not. I, I think this one here would, is going to create more of a precedent being like not acceptable, to be honest. Well, they do but, have a code uh, of
1: conduct. I've just never seen a code of conduct. I don't know what it says, and I've never seen it being enforced. So I don't think anything's going to come out of it personally.
0: Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah.
1: I know that one does exist. If anything, it's a I've warning. been told that there, yeah. is a co- like a, the, there is a code of conduct. Yeah, there like, has
2: to be. I have there not seen
1: to. a single time where someone's like, this person's violated the code of conduct, and they've been let go. I think Luis Pena recently they said, after he was arrested for a second time, for like domestic yeah, like, that's issues, that's yeah, violated the code of conduct. But John Jones like yeah. just had an incident. Is that is that against the code of conduct? Like, yeah, it's Connor again,
0: throwing dollies at buses right, and then against, used yeah. as promos for it's all flying of on his a fights. private yeah, plane yeah. from Ireland to Brooklyn to throw a dolly to, yeah. it, to go after somebody. Yeah. yeah, and then play it a million know. times before the exactly. fight. Yeah, so I mean, it's well, we can't tough. pretend it didn't happen. Yeah, no, well, that's true. That's yeah. so. There's funny. a lot of hypocrisy.
1: Let's, we'll just put it that way. But these are the kind of fighters that. Honestly, and I hate to say it because I always use that George Orwell quote, which is, you know, all animals are equal, some animals are more equal than others. These are the kind of okay. fighters that you penalize for this kind of thing because you send a message yeah. to the roster saying we're not. This isn't acceptable. Not...
0: Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, a lot of times I'm someone too where it's like we don't necessarily know his personality, and I mean. I know a lot of times when people say something, there was no bad intent behind it. So you can't, we can't really say he's a terrible person, but, okay, but listen, very terrible. I choice would agree of with words. that if terrible choice of words. No,
1: but I would agree with Is that we, if nobody found all this other stuff on social media that he's written, writing the N word, writing you know the the other F word, writing writing all yeah. kinds of slurs previously. Because listen, if somebody shows you who they are, you believe them. that's, that's one of those things that I always say. And that's, yeah. listen, I'm, I'm not going to go to bat for this guy. I'm sorry. Like, I, you know, I'm taking a hard stand no, on this it's one. Fair. Not, it's fair. I'm, because, yeah, listen, people say, well, give him the benefit of the doubt. You can give him the benefit of the doubt. And then when more stuff comes out, that benefit of the doubt is gone. Bye. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> All
0: right. So we did get a good segment of Aaron Bronstetter rants today. So oh. we got one. Good. We got one. I got one today from and
1: you. And Irie Killing has responded as well. He said, I destroyed this coward in the cage, but the judges gave him a chance to say something disgusting through his disgusting mouth. He can do nothing in the yeah. fight, and Atta I saw fear through his eyes. He is a coward.
0: Good. I like it. So, I already is not thrilled about it either. Yeah. And uh, Sean Serrano's opponent was from China as well?
1: Um, Was he from...
0: Uh, Shia? Where's Shyland from?
1: I can't remember. I'm going to look it up. I just want to make sure yeah. I get it right.
0: Uh, I going to say, I thought there was a couple Chinese fighters.
1: I can't remember if he's from China what? or he's from a different uh, Asian country. I just want to double-check before I...
0: But Sean Serrano, man, he's can't get the wins. Yeah, he's from he's from China. He's I
1: yeah. think he's from a region that's like uh, near Mongolia, so I just wanted to make sure. But yeah, Sean Soriano loses by decision. He I, I don't think they're going to give him another fight, honestly. I think this was kind of one of those fights where
0: we're, we're trying to set him up to win, honestly. Yeah, and, and he was a minus like 300 favorite. He was like the biggest yeah. favorite on the card one as the, well. Yeah, one of the biggest favorites on the card. Didn't come through. But my... I, Aside from Sean being a friend, but uh, it just shows that the Chinese are slowly evolving and doing better. I mean, we used to have one or two in now, but I think we're starting to see a lot more Chinese contenders. So, yeah, and I think a lot of it good. is because of the, uh,
1: the new facility in Shanghai. Institute, you're saying? The Institute. Shanghai, the saying, yeah. Institute. Yeah. I mean, that's where it they're saying already Kaling has basically learned his, you know, how to become a better fighter.
0: like when we went to china with glory what would happen basically is we would almost like connect with like these big schools and these schools in china when they're doing like they're all dressed in uniform doing patterns and katas and practicing like it's amazing to see so to have the institute there to bring some of these like temple style like it's like school curriculum Mm -hmm. you can channel that into the institute like it's it's going to be something scary like the the spirit, the way they train. Like you walk through China and at any time of the night, you see the elderly practicing the Tai Chi. It's it's instilled in culture. It's just – it's so nice to see that uh, they have this modern day and they're investing in kind of building their athletes. So I think it's like uh, if we can get like even a, an institute in Africa and like different parts of the world, yeah. I still think we'll see some they, great they, athletes. They've got the
1: land in Mexico to build. They're going to build one in That's Mexico. A, yeah. So that's, Smart that's coming, move, yeah. and I think Africa is what Dana White said they also want to build one in Africa, if I if I recall correctly. Makes
0: sense. So yeah, yeah, like makes said. sense. But um, yeah, one in Europe somewhere. You is a card in, China, in Europe didn't yet?
1: You, you call the Glory card in China. Uh, they had three. A bunch of, yeah, okay, and they and they have a lot of yeah, the three. local fighters that are on it.
0: If I remember. Oh yeah, like they have ones like I I spoke to my one of my friends who actually lived in China, who's a a kickboxer and MMA fighter from Ontario. He uh he works in China and he goes the amount they invest in the gyms and the people and the way they want to grow the sport. There it's, it's something really big out there now. So China, that's the spot. If it's it's growing, mm-hmm. I think they need one in Europe though, an institute now, right? That'd be good. It's just where in Europe they have one. It. <laughs> it's a big continent. I don't know, but like Sweden, Is in the seems UK, or? Good. I mean. Yeah. Somewhere in the UK, but they all, but I they mean, have, they have something central there, for though, right? Europe, so, you know. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, Netherlands.
1: I just get a lot of the Dutch yeah. fighters just to become mixed yeah. With there you
0: go. Make them animals. Just yeah. And get those strikers in there. Yeah, absolutely. But, well, uh, look at all these fighters that are moving over
1: from kickboxing to MMA now. I mean, there's just a huge list. You can add Simon Marcus to that, to that list, but uh, oh, Wilness yeah. had a few Mc... kids. yeah. Willness had a fight lined up. I, I don't think I think it fell through. But he was supposed to fight in MMA. Yeah. Um, of course, Dumba, Alex Pereira, like there's just a lot of guys yeah. that are making. Myrtle
0: moves. Myrtle Grunhart mm-hmm. is in the same organization as Jason yeah, Willness. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have Asa Tenpao, the American Ninja. He's an mm-hmm. American doing now uh, Glory fighter in MMA. It's uh, it's it's a swap. I mean, the pandemic slowed kickboxing down, but uh, MMA kind of went on the rise. So yeah. sucks, okay. but uh, it's it's the name of the game.
1: Name of the game. Simon's 35 now so uh, he hopes to be it, a UFC yeah. champion one day Like, and, and listen I said to him Tough. "Do you have a win over Israel is that one of those things like you see Alex Pereira's moved over you see Jason Wilness is moving over like do you think that because you know that you've beaten the best guy at middleweight in the UFC that that was a reason why you moved over and he said yeah for sure yeah and again, I'm ruining the interview. It's going to be on this, this particular show. So yeah, yeah. Just tune in
0: later. You'll enjoy I it. Think...
1: I haven't given away the whole yeah. interview. We also talk about Jamaican no, food no. in Toronto. Believe me, there's lots of good stuff. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the thing with Israel, even uh, I showed you the video of my young kid the other day, uh, yesterday. And uh, very good. And one of my points with my young guy is that he's very good at boxing, very good at taekwondo. And my mindset is you've got to be more like Israel at a sign. You're so young that... Being Israel Adesanya, what that means, it means now you can fight boxing at a high level. You can go in a kickboxing fight, fight at a high level. You can go into MMA, fight at a high level. He's so well versed in distance. His eyes, like he doesn't. It doesn't matter what gloves he wears. He knows how to fight. So I think from a young age, that's where. Adesanya beats a lot of kickboxers his style was made to be elusive to not worry about glove size where Simon was more clinch based so that's kind of where if he can get his clinch and elbows to kind of modify for MMA with underhooks and you know cage work I think Simon and his elbows and his clinch fighting could be really good strong it's just how can he his wrestling and his jujitsu last so Mm -hmm. I think he can do really well.
1: Yeah, I'm eager to see his fight. And I should clarify when I oh, you yeah, say your young guy, it's not your son. Like I think the way you were talking no, my about it, it was guy. like your son and I'm thinking if you're a young no, 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 guy, no, no, people should my know. Young guy.
0: My young guy, Joseph Brown, young kid, Joseph Brown. And eventually the name's Joseph, right? We can get Joseph Bazooka Brown sounds pretty good. Joseph B. Bazooka Jr. Brown. <laughs> yeah. Joseph Bazooka Jr. Brown. lots of good Joe B's Brown. in combat sports. You Benavidez and now this the, yeah. the next class. <laughs> You know what's You know what? Also is cool. Now I'm finding that uh, I would say I was the first Bazooka Joe fighter. You know, You're what Joe other v. fighters used the I'm name? I'm messing this up. You're Joe V, not Joe B. Yeah, but I'm saying <laughs> Bazooka Joe. The name Bazooka Joe in fighting, I would I would think I was the first. Now mm-hmm. I'm starting to hear. It used to be if your name was Joe, your nickname's going to be Smoking
2: Joe,
0: mm-hmm. always. But now, if your name's Joe, a lot of it's coming back. I'm hearing other fighters and other organizations and young Joes being Bazooka Joe. So I kind of like it and don't like it at the same <laughs> time. But uh, it's good. It just means that the name uh, made sense and it worked. Yeah. And we see JSP in the, in the UFC also. Yeah, the Jonathan JSP. Jonathan Pierce, JSP. <laughs> That's his nickname. So it's, you go. It's,
1: it's, an, it's, an, it's an homage, Joe. You don't, 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 don't think someone's stealing from you. It's Listen, right. it, it's, a, it's a hat tip.
0: All right. All right, more Bazooka Joes then is a good thing.
1: We've got this uh, thriller card this weekend also, the, uh, the the triad. It's all these ex-boxers against uh, yeah. ex-mixed martial artists. Do you plan on watching this?
0: Uh, I, I'm honestly, I, I've been a fan of Mike Perry. I like Mike Perry's style, and I just, I don't know, I like Mike Perry. There's characters in uh, MMA that I, I tend to follow, and he's one of them. So I might peek in and watch Mike Perry. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to watch it.
1: It's like a Saturday no. off. Do I want? To, do I really want to spend my? I'd love to watch Metallica perform, but I mean, that, that's about it.
0: Yeah. What uh, What other fights are on there that would interest us? Is that Frank Mir on Frank that Mears one? Frank Mir's on
1: that one. I think Rampage against Shannon Briggs is on that one, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Really? That's, yeah. gonna. I might be wrong.
1: Um, Chris Curtis right, is I- taking another fight. By the way, he's uh, taking on Brandon Allen. He's stepping in for Roman the Leeds. So interesting that mm. he's uh, he's turning it around quickly. Hey man, I guess that's the name of the game. When you're based in Vegas, you can just turn it around. Yeah.
0: I had a question for you. I didn't get to see it, but I heard it was pretty nasty. Was uh, Shemayev and Hermanson in a grappling match? I saw clips, so I might
1: have I just saw, seen. What I, you yeah, saw.
0: I yeah I didn't really get to see it,
1: but, but uh, uh, looked hey, good. Man. What he was, was huge it? Huge compared to Hermanson, and Hermanson's an 85er. It looked huge compared to him. Yeah. Did you see the, the side discrepancy?
0: No, I didn't get to see much. of I literally saw someone looking at it on their phone, being like, "Oh, I got to watch that after. I don't want to ruin it." And that's all I got to see. Yeah. Well, you should just look so up. Like, I figured you watched next to each other. And he finished them early, quick, easy work. What was it? I don't know. I don't know. I think I okay. think he might have just outpointed. No
1: it, it was grappling, right? So I don't I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know the rules of that particular contest that they had. So you're okay. asking, or do after I? You have to just well, go. You usually know it. everything in MMA. Yeah, but the, the, I don't consider this to be MMA. This, this is only one martial art. It's just, just grappling. It's not mixed martial arts. Okay. All right. So I'm giving myself an okay. out. Giving myself a pass. I'll
0: give you a pass, yeah. I'll give you the pass. I give you passes on the triller cards and I guess the grappling matches. I think yeah, there that, you go. And boxing.
1: you got to give me a pass on boxing too.
0: Yeah. If you ask Outside me who of the big ones, if you watch the big ones, last, I have no idea. Yeah, there was a big one uh, this weekend. It was Porter and Crawford. Yeah, Did you follow Porter that one? Afterwards. Yeah, so they, you know enough. You didn't I, watch I know it, the thing, you stuff. just kind of follow the headlines? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, didn't watch, I didn't watch more of the I didn't watch Crawford.
1: Too. Like that's that's the kind of boxing fan I am. I or boxing that that's the amount that I follow boxing is like I I know the big fights. I'll watch like the biggest fights like I'll watch a Fury Wilder Canelo. I'm a very casual Canelo? boxing fan. Very casual boxing yeah. fan, admittedly.
0: Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, I yeah, allowed
1: to be. That that's that's about where it gets to.
0: There you go. Yeah, I'm a Canelo fan. I watch everything. No. Except this, this weekend <laughs> when I weekend, have to watch. Were cornering. Except, except when I'm actually real watching fights and cornering my guys. That's the only time I get my pass. Other than that, I'm watching everything. I'm watching it. Well, so I first... get this week's my pass. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. This Saturday, you can take it easy. but This is the first uh, Saturday in three and a half months that the UFC or Contender Series has not had a card. Whew, take a deep breath. Yeah.
0: But, but... the one after... The one
1: after, oh, yeah. Rob Font,
0: Aldo, so gets me more excited for that one. And it's a fight night, too, which is crazy. How perfect is
1: this week off, though? Because you you had, like I mentioned, those three fantastic cards in a row, and then you had this Tate and Vieira, and it was like, okay, we're a little bit worn out now. Like, it was it was yeah. a good time to give break us a time. week.
0: Yeah, it worked well. I agree with you.
1: Who else is on that card? You got Rob Font, Aldo, you got Brad Riddell, uh, Raphael Fiziev. I'm sure we'll, we'll break this all That's down next fun. week. Jimmy Crute, Jamal yep. Hill, great fight. Brandon Allen, that's Chris Curtis.
0: Yep, that's the quick turnover you're talking.
1: Yeah, good good fights. Looking forward to that. And then after that, I, f- I found out unfortunately I'm not going to be in Vegas covering 269. I'll be covering that from uh, my my uh, my office here, and uh, that's UFC 269, Oliveira versus Poirier, the last pay per view of the year, followed by Lewis versus Dawkins to close us out in 2021. 20- mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's, it's kinda scary to hear that the the year is done, but uh kinda good. And then I'm we still start... got a month. I'm I'm getting ahead of myself, yeah. but yeah, the year's done. And then January fifteenth, you got
1: UFC Fight Night two hundred. Two hundredth UFC Fight Night.
0: Damn. I'm surprised it's that few. <laughs> it seems like we had two hundred of them this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. All the fight nights now and are you enjoying the the current model again? I know we haven't talked about it this year, but it's been a change this year, right? Well, what's the change? You mean more fight nights? Well, the fact that there was more fight nights, the new the pay-per-views being once a month. I think it's the same as last same year. Same amount?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's the same. They actually have one more this year, or I think two more this year because they missed one last year. Even with the pandemic starting, they, they only missed one fight. Like They were only short one card in terms of delivering to their uh, partners last year. So I think they, there's been
0: uh, they added an extra two this year, or an extra one this year to make up for it. Yeah, because i'm always the one where like well i still think it should be one f- fight card break before pay-per-view cards that's just my one suggestion
1: i like that but i also
0: love having a just card the one, one. Like, i
1: just love watching it yeah
0: like, I'm- i say that now and then when <laughs> there's no card on i'm like oh why isn't there anything on this sucks yeah you know so i'm but i mean just for a business model to get extra excited for pay-per-views like i used to as a kid i think it's uh it's important to have little breaks. I got the answer? You for missed you. something. Do Wednesday fight night. Missed nights. something.
1: Just do when Do a Wednesday fight night, and then don't have a pay per view until like the following Saturday. Like not that Saturday, like but that. the Saturday after.
0: I like a Wednesday or a Thursday.
1: Yeah, let's get
0: let's get more midweek stuff.
1: I'm I'm up for yeah. that. I like that, especially now that they're starting the cards at like four four o'clock Eastern, anyways.
0: Yeah, they must have listened to me. That the earlier is better. Minus those pay-per-views.
1: Yeah, but that's that's your opinion. Like you, that's a lot of people like the later cards. I'm 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 with you. Hey, I'll take the earlier cards. But you're like later cards starting at ten, starting o'clock, at 10,
0: 10 night. o'clock. I was shocked. You were texting me last night at ten thirty. I was like, Joe's awake. Oh, no, that's because I just got home. Yeah, I just got <laughs> home. Yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't. You were grinding at the gym. Yeah. I was there. I was cornering the guy. I was at the gym. I was everywhere. But hey, if uh, they if they keep fight nights so that yeah. they start
1: at either like four eastern or seven eastern god i'll be thrilled
0: yeah Don't no i like amazing. it i think it's perfect time and even the people I think in they the should uk like it at better. 11 p.m what's that i think to me it makes sense to end a card at 11 p.m mm-hmm. if the card ends at 11 p.m i think that's a perfect time i'm with but again eastern time i understand there's different times in the world but uh i just think in general an 11 o'clock finish time is perfect
1: Well, the people in the U.K. like it a lot better because
0: the cards they used to start at whatever, the main card would start
1: at 9 or 10. And then in the U.K., you add six hours. It's like 3 a.m. It starts at 3. The main card starts at 3 a.m. So they're like up all night. At least now they can get to bed at like 4 or 5.
0: But wouldn't it be the other way? No, you're right. It's the opposite. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it starts The the cards end like earlier for them, too. So they like it more. They can stay up and watch it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, There you go. I'm sure their significant
1: others don't appreciate it, but you know. Maybe they watch it together. <laughs> there
0: you go. Yeah, maybe. Just trying to think if there's anything else no, here so. in the I world think, of I MMA. Think, I think
1: we're good. But let's get to our interviews. We've got uh, two interviews. The first one yeah. is uh, one of the winners from this past week's card, Adrian Yanez, uh, will join us. And uh, right after that, we will hear from, uh, as I mentioned to you a little bit earlier in the show, Simon Marcus joins us as well. So... Thanks for tuning in uh, to Joe and I. We'll be back next week and stick around right now for some interviews here on the TSN MMA Show. Happy to be joined by my next guest, Adrian Yanez, who just had a fantastic performance this past weekend against Davy Grant. I was saying, I think the matchmakers have done a great job of progressing you up the ladder, uh, giving you tougher and tougher competition each time out and allowing you to really continue to grow as a UFC fighter. Do you agree when you, when you look at who they've matched you up with?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I feel like this has been a great this the matchmaking has been great for me especially because man i went from uh i went from fighting a prospect in randy costa to fighting a hard-nosed veteran like davy grant uh you know someone who's who's proven themselves you know kind of fought the tough has fought tough fighters and put up-and-coming fighters to sleep and luckily i wasn't one of those up-and-coming fighters to be put to sleep and i had a had a really tough test in davy grant and you know it's 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 uh, it, it's cool that like I'm getting the right, the the good, the good matchmaking because man, it's it's only gonna help me grow. And by the time I get to the top, you know, it's gonna be inevitable for me to get that belt. I heard uh, an interview you did with James
1: Lynch. And I thought you mentioned a, an opponent that would be great for a next opponent, which was Julio Arce. I thought that was a little bit out of left field. I think James kind of felt that way too. But thinking about that matchup, that's a perfect matchup. You talk about an up and coming prospect in Costa, a, a seasoned veteran in Davy Grant. Julio Arce is kind of right in the middle.
3: Yeah, absolutely, man. I just I felt bad for saying the name cuz man like I I I is as, as much as, as as much he's coming off a loss like I it's no there's no malice or ill will towards that. I just think that he's a great fighter himself and like I feel like he was he was doing a really great job against Dong Yildong. I just feel like he got caught. And uh man, like I like stylistically, I think that would also be like really great for the fans uh cuz man I just feel stylistically it'd be really great for the fans because he's a really good fighter. He's a really good striker. You know, he's a really good boxer, and uh, I think that would be extremely fun because, uh, man, it's 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 a really great matchup. But also, man, I I don't want it, I don't want it to sound like I'm like kicking a person while he's down because he's a really great fighter. Utmost respect for him. You know, he's a like I I just I I just hate that I like I kind of said his name coming off a loss, man. That's that's kind of like uh I don't know I just. I kind of regret saying it because he's coming off a loss and and yeah I just just doesn't doesn't make me feel right after a while I don't think it comes
1: off that way though I think that you're talking about a a matchup that would be good for everybody fun for the fans it's good for Julio too I'm sure Julio wants to bounce back you know fighters that lose still need fights right and Julio is a guy that was trying to fight to get into the rankings It, it seems like a good fit honestly I I know what you're saying but I don't think that it comes off as as any sort of malice or anything along those lines
3: yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly what what I want what I want to avoid. I don't wanna be the uh I don't wanna kick a personalized down, but he's a great fighter, man. He's it's it's a great stylistic stylistically matchup for the both of us. Uh man, also too, like uh, I know James Lynch said uh Frankie Edgar and I think that's a really great name itself too, so I think that would be a fun one as well. But yeah, no, Julio Arce, is just man, he's just a fun he, He's he's so fun to watch. Uh so fun to watch and I'm just like it, it'd be it'd be an honor just to be in the cage with him as well. Now, the bantamweight division is just
1: swimming with sharks. Uh, you you are among them, but I don't think that there's a matchup really in this division that wouldn't be fun for you. I, I think that uh, what we've seen from you so far has just been conducive to just consistently exciting fights. I think it just speaks to your spe- your uh, fighting style.
3: Oh, absolutely. These guys, there's a lot of guys in the bantamweight division that that man are looking to prove themselves, especially people outside the top 15. They're all looking to get inside the top 15. Uh, and then the people in the top fifteen—they're all killers themselves. This bantamweight division is the most stacked it's ever been And and its entire like like time being in the UFC. So that to me, this is this is the the greatest time to be a bantamweight fighter because there's no way you're gonna be rematching anybody. You're gonna be consistently fighting new faces the entire time. So to me, this is the best it's ever looked. Now, you've checked a lot of your various goals and dreams <laughs> off of your list, but there's one that is still standing,
1: which is the Toyota Center. It's uh, a venue you wanted to fight in, and there's a rumor that Andrea Lee, she had mentioned in her post-fight that the UFC might be coming to Houston in February. Have you heard about this? And if so, uh, are you willing to get in there in February? Because I know you're having a kid in December. <laughs> you were saying maybe March, April. But would you would you fast-track it a little bit so that you could fulfill that part of your bucket
3: list? Man, that's, that's so hard to... Uh... I've, I've talked it over I've talked it over and man if it was like I even talked to my manager and I that's one thing I'm willing to give up because like the baby the baby's here I'm willing to I'm, I'm okay with sacrificing uh that part of my dream and just like kind of just holding off and also too like it's it's it sucks man just the timing has been terrible for me but at the same time like I'm I'm okay with uh with letting that one kind of just roll off a little bit, because man, at the same time, I know whenever I whenever I come back, uh, and they do come back to Houston after February, that I am definitely going to be main eventing that spot. So to me, it's only going to make it bigger. It's only going to make it better for me. And man, I just, I can't wait. I can't wait for that time. Uh, but until then, I'm cool with fighting in uh, Arizona, New York. Well not really New York. The state taxes are ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy but to also it,
2: yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, in Vegas. Vegas. I I would love to fight at the T Mobile uh uh theater or arena,
1: yeah. Yeah, well, those are all great venues. The good thing about the Toyota Center is it's not going anywhere and you're only going to be a first time dad for, you know, one, one time, right? So I guess you do have to give it up for now. And they're starting to run out of good candidates for that uh, particular venue because Derek Lewis is fighting at the end of the year. And unless he can turn it around quickly, we're going to miss out, out on some of H-Town's finest. Maybe Mana Mar- uh, Martinez could jump in there for February. Who knows? But, uh, uh, I think that it certainly would be good to see some uh, folks from Houston compete at that event.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh you know, I've talked to Leo and I think he does have that date. So, uh yeah, I think it'd be really great, really great. So, I won't completely miss it. You know, I think I'll I'll still be there. So, I'll get to live by curiously through my training partner. I think that'd be amazing. Now, I don't know if you heard what Sean
1: O'Malley said. He had I guess did a video on his show recently that said that you were kind of uh dodging the question about whether or not you want to fight him. But I haven't seen that. When I, when I'm watching you do interviews and and all that, you seem like you're very receptive to that idea.
3: Oh no! Absolutely, like I, I don't think it was him that said it. I think it was his, uh, his coach that said. I don't think he really wants to fight you. But if you listen, even just within that post fight interview, they're like, "So would you fight?" And I was like, "Yes, absolutely." Like, did I, like, I didn't say no. I didn't even like shy away from it. I just said, "Yes, absolutely." I would absolutely love to fight Sean O'Malley. Like, of course, I knock out Sean O'Malley. That brings so much to the table. That brings so much bragging rights. I get the fans. I get, like, the push. I get the rub. Like, man, look at what happened to Cheeto Vera when he, when he stopped uh, uh, Sean O'Malley. He got the rub. Like, yeah, of course. Like, what, hap- what happens whenever – uh what what happens when, whenever like uh, like in in wrestling all the time you get that win they they get the win next thing you know they're the champ they're the guy getting the most media most attention yeah that's exactly what I want man because that brings more money my way and you know I got a family now so of course yeah of course I want to make all these opportunities open up so and all those opportunities will open up when I knock out Sean O'Malley so yeah of course I would love to fight Sean O'Malley.
1: Are you relieved to have this fight behind you? Because obviously with uh, the passing of your coach, also leaves, I'm sure every interview you did beforehand and I'm sure even afterwards that's come up and it's probably not an easy thing for you to have to talk about, but knowing that, that this fight is behind you, uh, subsequent fights, I don't think people are going to be asking about it quite as much. So I imagine that this fight was probably harder for you mentally than previous ones because you had to continue to revisit that.
3: Yeah. I was consistently having to revisit it and it was, uh, It was hard. It was really, really hard, man. Like I, like during fight week, man, I had to do so much other things that I normally don't do just to keep my mind busy. Cause man, it was hard. And then every single interview uh, I was doing, they all mentioned my coach and I was just, it's kind of just like, uh, it's like, it's like reliving like a a bad day in your life consistently every single time, because I I remember exactly what I was doing. And when I, when I got the call, I remember exactly, uh, the feelings every single time. And, uh you know it it sucks it absolutely sucks and yeah it it, it was it was rough you know I'm I'm gonna be kind of glad to not be answering the questions but also at the same time like I'm also gonna be bringing in I'm also gonna be bringing him bringing up my coach and my dad as well so like it I'm never not gonna give them any type of uh like never I'm never not gonna give them credit so I'm probably consistently gonna live with this, like until I'm okay with it, like until like it, like it, like I'm, like it settled. Like, uh, I'll be a little bit more, be more able to talk about it with more ease. But yeah, it, it, it has, it has sucked. It has hurt, you know, like being able, like not being able, because, uh, talking about it at least, like talking about it, like throughout the media, them consistently always asking about it, it sucks because like I, I still haven't dealt with it. If that makes sense, like I've never really stopped. Cause I've went from, from fighter to coach as well. So doing both those things, I never really had a chance to sit back and uh kind of just mourn. And right now, like uh with everything going on, like I'm like, I'm slowly getting through my process of being able to mourn. So I, it'll get easier. Uh But you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to get easier too. Just also not all the questions being asked all the time. <laughs> I mean, Coach was a young guy, though. Did you did you know that his situation has gotten as dire as
1: it has? Uh,
3: I I knew he was uh I knew he was diabetic, so it was just kind of just like a little bit of a mixture, like in my also too. I knew like whenever you have diabetes, it makes everything like ten times worse. So like uh like for my oh, I remember when my dad was going through all this stuff uh, with cancer and everything. My dad also had diabetes. Uh, it was kind of hard for the doctors to even do everything like surgeries got a little bit more riskier and everything. And then uh, my coach had diabetes. So uh, whenever he got sick, like it just kind of just like, it, it made a lot of things worse for him. So it got, so yeah, it, it kind of had gotten worse, but like, I didn't realize how uh, I, cause whenever I, whenever I, whenever I was thinking about it both, like whenever I was thinking about it uh, to my coach, so I, I didn't Going into my fight week last time with Randy, I just immediately thought my coach was going to get over it. But I didn't really think it would be that severe, you know, but it got severe. Yeah, again, I'm very sorry to hear that. A pioneer
1: in terms of Texas mixed martial arts and, uh, of course, will be very much missed, I'm sure, in your corner and everybody else who he's uh, he's coached. And a big part of your story, like you said, I think it's it's important that you continue to bring him up and, and continue to preserve his legacy. So now are you looking to transition more frequently into coaching?
3: Yeah, I, I've pretty much taken on that role. Me and my training partner Cameron, we've uh, pretty much taken up the role of, uh, of like coaching all the fighters. Uh, and it's also been great that we have like a great, like a good amount of fighters, anyways, that are consistent, uh, that have been coming in and they, their willingness to learn and like they know that the system works because we haven't changed a thing about the system. So uh, it's 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 been it's been amazing, uh, just like seeing the people that that have trusted us and stayed with us, and you know it's 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 cool. Uh, but, yeah, like, I, I am 100% cool with, like, taking on the coach role as well because it's also going to give me something to do after I, I hang up the gloves, you know? So, like, it's it's, it's good for me all the all, all, all ways around more than one.
1: What do you think is different about your fight game than other people? You say that you watch a lot of mixed martial arts and you, you watch a lot of the fights just in your spare time. What is it that you do differently than others, in your opinion?
3: Man, I feel like I'm – I'm really comfortable at fighting at the boxing range the whole entire fight. There's a lot of people that as soon as you get into the range, a lot of people start freaking out. They wanna be they don't want to be in the range. Like uh, like I am super comfortable with with being an arm's length away from somebody and continuing to uh and continuing to fight. A lot of people freak out. I like I don't. I I thrive in that. And I think that brings that brings a lot of advantages uh with with me in the way I fight. And I think that's like one of the biggest, one of the biggest things. So a lot of MMA fighters, they don't like fighting within that, within that boxing range. Fighting in the phone booth is something that, that that a lot of those guys, they don't know how to do and like they freak out. So I think that's, that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing that, uh, that I would probably say that's a lot more different than a lot of people. Well, you're in the right division
1: because you've got a lot of fighters that seem to like fighting at boxing range at the higher levels. you got Piotr Jan, you got Chido Vera, Frankie Edgar. A lot of fighters in this division that, that do, I guess, appreciate fighting at that range.
3: Yeah, definitely. At least someone, someone like uh, Peter Jan, that, that one definitely, like him fighting at that range, like that. that's the only person that I kind of just sit back and think, like, yeah, he's, that's a really good fight. Like that's a really, like at least uh, stylistically for me, like I feel like that's, Oh great a great fight because I, I like just to just to be a part of it and be in the cage with him I think that'd be great just because like I respect his boxing. Like I respect his boxing, I respect his hands and I think that would be like really awesome to share the cage with him one day. So uh that would be fun. Uh Chino Vera, he's walking you down the whole entire time. He he just gives he does he gives uh, no Fs. He's gonna try to walk you down, he's gonna try to elbow you, knee you clinch you I think that's the thing too is that he doesn't mind fighting in that clinch either as well so he doesn't mind he's he's also that guy that's just looking to hurt you at every single turn and then for someone like Frankie Edgar I know he's, he's searching for the takedown he's trying to get on top and try to beat you down so like I I would probably say uh I'd probably say the one that probably does it the best like the best in boxing terms is definitely Peter but Tie, like, tie fighting and just looking to hurt you, uh, that's Cheeto Vera. And someone who's looking to engage with the wrestling, that's framed out here.
1: Yeah, I think with Piotr, you've been tasked to kind of mimic him for Aljamain Sterling in, in camp. So, uh, how's that been for you? Have you watched a lot of his tapes so that you can do a, a good job of trying to be a good imitation of him for Aljamain?
3: Yeah, definitely. I've watched a lot of, uh, watched a lot of his fights and then uh, just trying to see what he does. he does. He does a lot of sneaky things, but the the hardest part to emulate the hardest part to emulate is all the adjustments because he makes adjustments for certain fighters he doesn't he, what he does is he doesn't fight anybody the same he switches it up every single time so he's not gonna fight Corey Sandhagen the same the way the way they fought Jose Aldo or how he fought Jimmy Rivera or how he fought Rye Faber or any of those guys he's gonna consistently try to switch things up and it's during the fight, it's not, it's not at, it's not like uh, from the start of the fight. The start of the fight, he starts off slow, and then as time goes on, he figures that person out. He's so, he's, he's solving the puzzle of that person the night of, and I think that's super cool because he's making those adjustments the night of, and I think that's uh that's super high level. And honestly, like I I feel for myself, I do make a lot of those adjustments as well. You know, like as you can see, uh, like the big, the big adjustment from someone like a uh, fight, like being on the back foot against Randy Costa, to switching it up and and changing and making that adjustment, and even in this fight with this last fight with Davy Davy Grant, making the smaller adjustments uh, against Davey and making them work and doing uh, doing a lot of good things and like uh, getting getting the to me, I felt like it was a shutout, but uh, yeah, no, just seeing Peter Peter make those small adjustments, not just. Not just in round one, but round two, round three, and round four, and round five, he's always making the adjustments. And that's super high level. So it's, it's, that's one thing that that I, that I've been noticing a lot. And especially watching Peter Young fight. Now, I know you don't have a
1: nickname, but I've got a new nickname for Piotr Jan. You know, his nickname is No Mercy, but I think he's Piotr the Computer Jan. Because like you said, he takes the information, computes it, figures it all out, takes in the data, and then he's able to turn it around on you late in fight. So I'll, next time I speak with him, maybe I'll pose that, uh, propose that new nickname to him. Uh, you talk about the fight with Davey, though. You know, I don't like to slag the judges because they've got a very difficult task. But when they, I heard 3027, Davey Grant, I was shocked. And that was the first scorecard that they read. How scared were you when you heard that?
3: I was immediately pissed off. Like I just was like, I wasn't even happy when they when they said my name that I was the winner. I was mad. I was like, like thirty twenty seven. I was still shocked at the thirty twenty seven. Whenever like everything was going on, I was I was angry, but at the same time, uh, yeah, it was just a lot. I remember just sitting there, just kind of just being like, uh, really like, what's going on, bro? Like it's like you're the boxing judge. Like you're supposed to be able to see that clearly, but you didn't, and that's what that's what annoyed me the most.
1: Oh, it was Tony Weeks, right? Is that is that who it was? That why you say the boxing judge because he's a referee in boxing.
3: Yeah, yeah, he's he's uh, yeah, yeah, that (laughs) it it was him. So now now I know why uh, the box how in boxing there's a lot of like screwy decisions and. uh, And yeah, so I can understand. Maybe he's just trying to inspire
1: you to become a better boxer. It was like a challenge. But that first round, I, I just don't know how anybody can score that first round for Davey. The second and third were close rounds, in my opinion. But the first round, you had him on wobbly legs. You were, you were getting the better of him in terms of damage, which is really what these score, fights are supposed to be scored on. That's the number one criteria. And they rarely go to the number two or number three criteria. So if you're scoring it on damage, I just don't see how they can give the first round to anybody but you in that fight.
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I believe the same. And it's just kind of just like, it, it, got, it got it was annoying just sitting back. And I was kind of like, even my, like I was going back and my, my training partner is very, uh, he, he's read the rule book uh, like so many times in and out because he feel like he, he's gotten screwed in a decision before. And just kind of just looking back and he just goes, man, just off the like what is supposed to be scored off of. He's like, he thinks it's thirty twenty seven, uh, all the way through. He was like, bro, I was like, I don't see how any judge gave him any round, but I was like, I can see the second. Uh, third, I felt like I took that one, took that one easily, but uh, yeah, no, I was like, I don't, I don't know what, what they were looking at for the round number one. That's the one that makes me mad the most yeah this is round me. number two. I'm with you I thought the second round was probably davy's best round
1: uh like you said but I, th- I wish that more people would do what your training partner uh your training partner does in terms of reading the scoring criteria because it's almost like a cheat code like if you know what the judges are looking for you can make that a priority
3: in the fight oh absolutely yeah he's he's read it and he's just like he's he's consistently like re- he's he reads it because he's just like man like he he just sits back and just reads it because man he he's he's like a lot of these guys who just kind of hand people up on the fence and he's like he he got uh kind of like hemmed up in the fence in one fight and but he, in the open range he was doing a lot of the damage and then on the fence they're like yeah it doesn't it like if he doesn't get the, like he doesn't the takedown really doesn't count unless there's advancement and then also too like the cage control it's not it the first thing that's first thing that's supposed to be scored. It is the actual damage, and he did a lot of damage. that the guy just kept hem- hemming him up on on the fence, and you know he he felt like he didn't lose that fight. And then he goes back and reads the scorecards, and not not the scorecards, but the rule book and ends up being like, oh, like from the rule set, from the rule book, he didn't lose that fight if they're scoring it that way. And uh, he comes he comes back and re re, re- reads rereads everything, scores my fight, and he's just like, no, like you won this fight, hands down, 30-27, it's kind of it's hard to, uh, you know, he was like, it's it's, it's, it's kind of hard, because a lot of these guys, they don't know what they're looking at, and what they're judging, you know, so, uh, that's why I think a lot, of these, a lot of these fighters should become judges anyways, and I think that would be really great for the sport as well, you know, fighters becoming judges, becoming refs, I think overall would just be beneficial, like, someone like Herb Dean, he's been in the game for so long, I think he's also fought himself, like, he's He's a really great ref, and I think he'd be a really good uh, judge as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because I think a lot of the judges are worried about how people are going to perceive them. Because in my opinion, there were two fights that I think could have been scored the other way: Kiesa versus Sean Brady. The second round. Did you watch the, the full card before I mentioned all this?
3: I, oh, oh no, I didn't. I didn't get to. I didn't get to. Uh, I think by after that, I was uh, all doing interviews at, right after that, so it was like kind of like it was hard. But I ended, I did see. A, a part of uh, the Misha Tate fight. The, the, I think that was like a little bit of it.
1: Yeah, so like there, there were two rounds. There was the Kiesa and Sean Brady second round, and then there was IRE Kalang earlier in the night against Cody Durden. Like, I just thought there were a lot of situations where the fighters that are winning those rounds on the judges' scorecards are just like simply grappling There's, they're not doing any damage on the ground they're just looking to advance position and that shouldn't be scoring based on the scoring criteria but i digress you had a fantastic win uh, i look forward to seeing what you're able to do uh, next and who you're going to be facing next uh, i love i love watching you fight and uh, i think of all the people that have come out of the contender series in my opinion, you have probably the most potential of any of them, uh, unless there's some that I'm forgetting because there's probably like 150 fighters from the Contender Series now in the UFC. But uh, I appreciate your time and uh, look forward to seeing what's next for you. And congratulations
3: on becoming a dad. Man, thank you so much, man. I'm excited. Thank you, thank you for having me on. I'm now joined by the former Glory middleweight
1: champion of the world, of man who's faced Alex Pereira, has beaten Israel Adesanya, beaten Jason Willness. Man, the resume is long for Simon Marcus. Uh, and now, like many of those uh, aforementioned names, he's making a move over to mixed martial arts, fighting at Unified uh, MMA 42 against uh, Anton Tolerchuk or Tokerchuk, rather. Um, so, what made you decide to make the move to MMA? I guess is the obvious question.
2: Uh, to be honest, it was just uh, another venture. Uh, another step in my career to really uh, uh, take it to the next level of exposure, next level of uh, combat sports and uh, basically all the top athletes in my sport have made that move and moved on so uh, just like in the past when I made the move from Muay Thai to kickboxing, you can see me around where the best the best in the world will be.
1: Is the door shut on kickboxing for now? Are you focused solely
2: on MMA? Uh, the door's not shut on kickboxing, I mean, uh, I still love Muay Thai, I still love kickboxing, I'd, I, uh, I would still do those fights, but at the moment, at the time being, I'm uh, focused on MMA and progressing in that sport, and basically anything I've ever, any combat sport I've ever undertaken, I've, I've, I've put my all in and became the best, so that's the plan in this case as well. You're
1: late in your career, 35, so what's the goal in terms of mixed martial arts? Like if I said to you, tell me what's happened in the last three years? Three years from now, what will have happened?
2: Three years from now, I will have became an MMA fighter. I plan to join the UFC roster, and I plan to become the world champion, without a doubt. Uh, any, any, anything I do, I plan to be the best at it, and I strive to be the best at it. Nothing less is really uh, satisfactory for me, so uh, there's, no, there's no big surprise there.
1: And we're seeing a lot of the fighters that have uh, had success against Israel, the champion, of course, in the UFC, move over to mixed martial arts. Do you feel like that's one mm-hmm. of the things that has um, compelled folks like yourself, like Alex Pereira, to move over to mixed martial arts because you've had success against the person that's con- currently considered the best in the division?
2: Uh, honestly speaking, I will have to say yes. That is uh, something that, you know, when you look at the the type of exposure you get when you fight in the UFC and the type of pay you get, um, and you know the kind of talent you have, and you see other guys with similar talent, you know, uh doing well in, in, on that level, of course, it gives you the idea that uh you could do the same and, and and you should be at the top level of uh where whatever whatever it is getting paid at the top level as well, whereas kickboxing and uh, Muay Thai it doesn't pay and it doesn't have the same exposure as mixed martial arts so um that's why you see a lot of guys making making the move over but also um i've 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 dominated and won pretty much every uh every belt every category i could in kickboxing and muay thai so naturally my uh my progression is just to move move forward to where i could use my talent to to make a better living for myself and my family
1: you certainly have. It's interesting because kickboxing isn't legal in Ontario, and guys like yourself, like Bazooka right. Joe Vazellini, um, out west, you got Gabriel Varga. Like a lot of these great Canadians have come and taken over the sport of kickboxing, which has been just really great to see.
2: Hmm. Most definitely. Uh, for for there's a, there there has been a, a couple guys who have done very well in, in kickboxing, but uh, you know we've had to travel. Well, me personally, I've had to travel and uh, get the. Experience experience and exposure in, in Thailand and stuff like that to get that that skill level. Uh, there's not much guys here that just stay in Canada and is able to come through the ranks. Joseph Valentini is one that came up rather quickly and did a good job of it. But uh, pers- me personally, I've traveled the world and gone around and, and collected skills from the best fighters in the world and uh, done what I had to do to become number one. It drives me crazy, and
1: I hear Joe Rogan talking about this as well, that, that Glory isn't a bigger phenomenon in the world. You know, you, you watch all these fans that watch mixed martial arts, and they get so bored by the grappling. Oh, the grappling's boring. This is a boring fight. Go watch Glory. You're not going to see any grappling. You're going to just see pure kickboxing, and it's exciting. It's awesome. There's, uh, it, as I'd say, more highlight finishes and more highlight reel uh, material over there. It's just surprising to me that people don't dip their foot into the kickboxing arena in terms of uh, viewership.
2: I agree. Um when it comes to the sport itself, uh it's very exciting. It's, it's 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 matched to no other. You see the top highest level strikers. Uh I think even higher level striking of course than uh UFC. Uh but I think the thing that's missing is we really have to market to the US uh the US, we really have to market to the US market. And the US market isn't uh just like any 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 top fighter you've seen, whether it be Mayweather, McGregor, or even Muhammad Ali back in the day, it's really their character and their personality that sells the fight to the non-fight fans, and that's where you have to market. And uh, I don't think Glory has done the greatest job of making uh, their characters and you know, let's say the drama or the, the outside of the ring stuff be so marketable, especially to the U.S. the U.S. fans where they like to see you know, the beef and the drama and all that stuff. So UFC has done a good job of that. Boxing always does a good job of that. Um, I think kickboxing needs to do a better job of that as well. well Just... I watched the uh, the
1: preview video for uh, Cedric Dumbay. Uh mm-hmm. who, who is his uh, previous opponent? I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. His previous opponent, uh, they, they had this great video. Uh, Myrtle Grunhardt. They had this great video where they were hyping that fight up. And I... Anybody who's watched that, is like I, I need to watch this. I need to I need to watch Cedric Dumay compete. Now he's of course moved over to mixed martial arts as well. But I just feel right. like they, they need to get more eyeballs on it somehow. And I don't know what the answer is because if somebody had the answer to that, there probably would be you know a glory a glory kickboxing event every single month. But uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. And now, now that you made the move over to mixed martial arts, I think the big question everybody's always going to ask is you know how's your grappling game? Where are you where are you learning grappling, and, and how's that area of your game catching up to your striking?
2: Well, uh, I've embraced grappling fully. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I've always been a martial artist as anybody around me knows. And mixed martial arts is a different ball game than, uh, kickboxing or Muay Thai. We have a whole another half of the game, which is ground game, wrestling and jujitsu. So right now I'm training, uh, I'm training my wrestling. I'm training my jujitsu. Um, it's coming along really well. It's coming along I'm really happy with the progress I've made in a relatively short period of time. I'd say just about, uh, Six months, six months since I, I, I really started anything um, or, or taking it serious, but uh, I'm I'm, able to, I'm ha- able to hang in there with some of the best guys, uh, my weight class in, uh, in Canada. So uh, with that being said, I'm really happy with my progress and I'm confident that my skill set, uh, if I need to take somebody down or get a submission in the ring, I have no problem doing so.
1: Who are some of the guys you've worked with uh, in Toronto and, and elsewhere?
2: Uh right now I'm training with Crew Allen at House of Champions and he has uh a roster of guys who are really good wrestlers and really good uh uh grapplers and stuff like that. Uh, we're doing sparring. We're doing, uh, uh, you know, wrestling with, with with takedowns and submissions. I also uh, dropped by Extreme Couture and re- work with Robert Santos. He's another top coach in, in, in the city, and he has a couple top-level wrestlers and grapplers at my weight class that I'm currently training with. So, uh, and then I'm um, also uh, going up the street here to Santos Brothers, which is a jiu-jitsu gym not far from my gym. And I'm getting to grapple with some really high-level black belt, black belt, and brown belt guys. So um, if I can hang in there with those guys, I'm, I'm positive I'll be all right in the ring, in the cage.
1: <laughs> well, I'm uh, I'm out in Scarborough, and if I say this to you, I, I'm wondering mm-hmm. if you agree, the best Caribbean food in the city is in, in Scarborough. I imagine you agree.
2: Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I know where there's a, there's a lot of good spots in, in Scarborough for sure, but here in the West End, we got a lot of good spots too.
1: I know. I saw a video of you walking down Reggae Lane, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to joke with this yeah. guy and say that Scarborough's got the best <laughs> uh, the best Caribbean food in the in the city. I know there's a big, obviously a big Jamaican contingent uh, near where your gym is, so I imagine there's, there's yeah, probably right. some pretty good places out there. I mean, I, I will say, though, Scarborough's got
2: some great places. I agree. I agree. I'm, a, I'm, I'm an original Scarbarian myself, so I'm with you.
1: Okay, I didn't realize that. I thought you might have come up in that in the area where your gym is, so I wasn't I wasn't sure. So where what were your spots in Scarborough?
2: Um what you mean for food or yeah. living?
1: No, for food, for food.
2: Uh I haven't I haven't I haven't lived in Scarborough since I was a teen, so I, I can't even tell you right now. I can't even remember. I've been all over. But uh I don't eat there anymore, so but there's always uh there's always uh, uh it's slipping my mind now. I'll uh, put Markham, Markham Road there. Nicey's. Nicey's at Nice-y's, uh, Markham yeah, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. That spot is really original.
1: And yeah, Markham Road has, like, they have Mona's at Markham and Shepherd. Markham Road's got just a. In, in terms of not just Caribbean food, all kinds of food. Markham Road is fantastic. So I'm glad that uh, you, you get out there. So how's, how's your gym been doing? Uh, during the pandemic, obviously, there's been a lot of restrictions put in place, and gym owners have had a hard time keeping their doors open. Uh, I see that you're still in your gym, so obviously you guys are still, uh, still in business and all that. But how has that affected you?
2: Most definitely. You know, for all of us business owners, especially gym and restaurant owners, it's been a tough go. Because uh, we basically had to survive a whole year and a half, almost two years, without our doors closed, and find a way to keep things going. But uh, since we've opened back up, uh, the gym's been doing great. People are coming in. Uh, people are safe. People are healthy, and we, we, we're trying to, we're trying to, you know, do our best to keep people safe and do all the procedures to keep, keep, uh, you know, the hands clean and all this stuff. But uh, all in all, I'm very thankful that we've made it through and we're still open and. Things are looking up.
1: Well, the last UFC event of the year is December 18th. The day before that on UFC Fight Pass, you can catch Unified MMA 42 yourself, Anton Tokerchuk, who recently fought uh, former uh, UFC veteran uh, KB Buller in his most recent fight. Uh, That's on Fight Pass, and we look forward to seeing your debut in mixed martial arts and hopefully seeing you in the uh, UFC in 2020 We need uh, more Canadians to thrive uh, at the big show.
2: Absolutely. Uh, I'm looking to take the UFC by storm and bring the UFC back to Canada there's nothing uh, there's, there's nothing left to do right now. Uh, UFC is the biggest stage, and uh, I believe I'm the best fighter in the world. I've always believed that uh, no matter what the discipline, you know, I started as Muay Thai, moved on to kickboxing, now I'm making the transition to MMA and the UFC, and you can, you can expect the same.
1: Well, it's a pleasure speaking with you. Hope to speak with you again soon.
2: Absolutely. Have a good one. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.